right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's the Fan in the Van NFL Draft Edition podcast time. Uh, tonight's the night. The NFL Draft, where all these college kids' dreams become realities, becoming hopefully top-tier NFL superstars. For some, let's be realistic. You could either be the next Johnny Unitas, a quarterback, or you could be the next Ryan Leaf and become a crystal meth head and be another bust in the NFL. Some years might be Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen, where you think you're the greatest thing in the world, and some years wind up, you know, being on practice squads or your own team don't even want you a quarterback no more. But um, it's a very interesting night for all 32 teams, obviously. And... For weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, we've seen mock draft after mock draft. Everybody's opinions. I'm not really a fan of mock drafts because you really kind of can't always go based off of them because they're never really accurate in what mock draft really ever is. Some, as far as I've seen, are just absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) Where I've seen one where the Steelers trade down to 31 in Lamb Malik Willis. Um... And speaking of that, there's a lot of Steeler fans that are clamoring for Willis or Pickett, and a lot of people that are saying, let's just wait till next year. And I got to say, if if you are absolutely not 100% sold on either one, if I'm the Steelers, you do not trade out of that 20 pick. I'm not saying take that, you know, you could take a quarterback at 20, but... Again, you know, they took a quarterback a few years ago and thought he was going to be the guy, and that's Mason Rudolph, and we've seen how that's panned out. So if you're if you're the Steelers and you're going to go and get that next, you know, franchise quarterback, and a lot of people are like, well, we haven't drafted a franchise quarterback in years because we haven't needed one because we've always had Ben. So you didn't need a franchise quarterback. We didn't have to worry about this. And yeah, are they behind the eight ball on it? Yeah, they are. They should have had Ben's replacement or Ben's heir apparent should have already been ready to take the reins. And this is another reason why the Steelers are in the disarray that they're in when it comes to the quarterback situation now. Granted, okay, we have Mitch Trubisky, and I'm fine with Mitch Trubisky for two years. Now, if Mitch goes and lights it up this year and we don't draft a quarterback, and then Mitch lights it up year two again, and it's back-to-back consecutive playoff berths and... You know, dare I say, the second year, it's an AFC championship visit. And whether we win it or fall short, I have to see two more years of Mitch Trubisky before I'm sold. Then the Mitch Trubisky can and will be Ben's true replacement to where, hey, you don't need to go and draft a quarterback to to replace Ben because you got one now. And with that being said, you know... Again, going back to mock drafts, I've seen a lot of them where, you know, and this is interesting as far as Malik Willis and Pickett, because I've seen some where the Giants trade down to nine with the Seahawks, the Seahawks move to five, and they take Malik Willis. This one in another mock draft I've seen on CBS Sports, which made no sense, and I forget who did this one, but the Carolina and Seattle swap spots for Seattle to take Kenny Pickett. And then another one did the same thing, 
and they trade up to get Malik Willis. This is why I can't take too much stock on mock drafts. Don't get me wrong, they're fun to do. I had a lot of fun doing mine because I just did mine just based on who I think is going to go. So when I go over mine, people probably be like, well, you left this guy out. You left that guy out. You left this kid out. You left it. No, it's a matter of who I think is going to go. And that's why, you know, people sit there on social media and they're like, listen, you know, I, you know, I, I can't wait for the draft to be over. So I, we don't have to deal with mock drafts no more. We don't have to deal with this. We don't have to deal with that. Me personally, I used to be the same way. I'm like, listen, I can't stand these mock drafts. But it's interesting to see where everybody thinks everybody's going to go. Now, again, there's some that are just so outlandish that it, you just sit there like, mm, no, that's not going to happen. But. With that being said, so I'm going to get into mine, and I did one where it gets shaken up a bit. I did one that I think is going to go pretty much the way it should go, and then I did one where it's just it's, it's just a steal a draft. And so the first one I did where it shakes everything up is obviously Jacksonville's got the number one pick. All right, so I left it as Aiden Hutchinson number one. And I did this in both because I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to go number one. Where it gets interesting is from two. So in the shakeup one, I took Malik Willis going to Detroit. Because I don't think Detroit is fully sold on Jared Goff. Dan Campbell can come out and he can say all he wants. But if you were sold on Jared Goff, why did Malik Willis meet with the Detroit Lions then? Riddle me that one. Okay. But then in my regular draft, Trevon Walker goes number two. Now, Trevon Walker has been now, in certain drafts, people have him going number one. Now, if he goes number one, where does Hutchinson land? Does he land in Detroit? Does he land in Houston? Does he drop further down, maybe to the Giants? Does he drop maybe to the Jets at 10? I don't think he drops that far. But again, if there's a shakeup in the draft, this is where everyone's draft boards now get all screwed up. So... In the shakeup draft, I got Trevon Walker going to the Texans, where in my regular draft, I have Kavon Thibodeau going. And that's another interesting story of, you know, <laughs> you know, a lot of people didn't like his work ethic, but it's being talked about a lot. So, obviously, my shakeup draft, I have the Jets taking, I have, the, I have them taking Kavon Thibodeau. But in my regular draft, I haven't taken Ahmad Gardner because they do have to address, they do have to address the corner situation. I know my buddy Rob will probably like this pick. Um, and if you go and look at his stats, I went and looked at them the other day, and I wish I wrote wrote them down. I took a screenshot of it to go over them a bit more. But what I saw, what I saw, I wish the Steelers were in the top ten because that's somebody the Steelers could use, honestly. <laughs> they, they, they could use a decent corner at this point. Um, I'm not saying James Pierre ain't going to be a good corner for the Steelers, but God knows we could use another good one. Um, and then in the shakeup one, this pick for the Giants, assuming they don't trade out, because that's the rumblings, is that they're going to trade out of one of these two picks because they don't have enough cap to pay everybody. And you could thank your, your, your illustrious former GM in Gettleman for you know, giving contracts to people and then trading them to Cleveland to die. Um, so in the shakeup and regular, it's both Evan Neal, offensive lineman, who I think with an improving Andrew Thomas, I think in a make-or-break year for Daniel Jones, 
I think this is what's going to help Daniel Jones progress. Um, and then in the shakeup draft, obviously the Panthers take Pickett, but in my regular draft, I have Malik Willis fall in the Carolina. The Giants in my shakeup take Kyle Hamilton, but in reality, if this goes if this goes the way it should, they take Drake London, wide receiver, at a USC. The Falcons in my shakeup draft take Ken, uh, take Garrett Wilson, but in reality, they need a quarterback. So, Kenny Pickett's there for the taking. Um, in the shakeup draft, I have the Seahawks taking Desmond Ryder over Matt Coral because Matt Coral had the injury, so I think Coral's stock falls. And then in my regular one, they have, I have them taking Kyle Hamilton because they have to get a younger, strong safety because Jamal Adams just ain't what Jamal Adams was in New York. Let's just be real. Jamal Adams is just all, you know, you know, He's all chirp like the Mets and the Cardinals with friggin' batters being hit and blah, blah, blah. And then the Jets. Now, with the 10th pick, this can go either way. And I haven't talked to my buddy Rob in a while because I was I wanted to gauge where he thought they would go. So in my shakeup draft, they take Derek Stingley a corner. So they address the defense early with both picks in my shakeup draft. As far as edge and then and then the secondary. But in reality, they take Garrett Wilson in my regular draft. In my regular mock draft, they take Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, and my Uncle Joe, you know, because I put on Facebook, you know, I was curious to see, you know, because I wanted to see who would, you know, who they think their teams would take. So my Uncle Joe says for the fourth pick, I can't even pronounce this guy's name, Ikawanu, whatever, uh, tackle. I think he's out of, I forget what school he's out of. Um, but he wants the Jets to take him and then take Garrett Wilson at 10. And in a lot of mock drafts I've seen with the Jets, it's Garrett Wilson does fall to them at 10. Now, there's a lot of these, there's a lot of good wide receivers. This draft isn't really quarterback heavy. Again, it's really not. And that's why for certain teams that need a quarterback now, it fits them. But for a team like the Steelers, who are always, you know, let's just be real. The Steelers are never going to be in the top 10 as far as draft picks, because they're not going to have that shitty of a year to where, you know, they could be in the top 10 where it's like, okay, if they're the 10th pick, they could afford to trade up, say, five spots to get one of these big-name quarterbacks. Next year's class is going to be a bigger class of quarterbacks because if Bryce Young from Alabama comes out, if Bo Nix comes out, uh, Chase Daniels is another one, or is it J- no JT Daniels? I think comes out and <coughs> Spencer Rattler, and you know, there's just uh, an abundance of quarterbacks that are, that should be coming out next year. That it'll, it'll probably be a heavily, it'll be a heavy quarterback draft next year. <coughs> now, mm, as far as going into who I think the Steelers take. Now, again, for Steelers fans that listen, this is my opinion. And speaking of that, obviously it's draft day, so I had to come to work dressed to the nines. So I had to, I had to rock the Steeler hoodie, obviously. But also, I had to wear last year's number one draft pick. That's right. Got to rock Najee on draft night. Got to rock Najee. Um, so who I think the Steelers wind up taking here. You know, with the 20th pick, I think they go quarterback, and I think they take Matt Coral. And the reason why I think they take Matt Coral is because if you take Matt Coral, this is kind of your way now 
to kind of edge Mason that much further down the depth chart to the point where you could just say, yeah, kid, listen, you ain't cutting it. See you later. Goodbye. Uh, with the 52nd pick, they got to find a running back to compliment Najee. I was talking I was talking with a buddy of mine last night on Facebook for a bit. And listen, we both had high hopes for Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. But let's just be real. Neither one have lived up to the hype. And a part of it comes down to the offensive coordinators from Fickner to, you know, to Matt Canada. And granted, it was Matt Canada's first year, but Matt Canada is just atrocious. Maybe it changes now with a more mobile quarterback and a younger and a younger offensive scheme, maybe. But if it's the same shit from last year, Matt, I'll tell you right now, I'll start a GoFundMe for, for them to freaking get Matt Canada out of Pittsburgh. Um, so I think they take... Isaiah Spiller, running back, obviously, just like his dad. Um, the 84th pick, and I'm probably going to get bashed for this one because this this kid's been on nobody's draft board at all from what I've seen, is Troy Palomalu's nephew. Okay? Isaiah Polamau. All right? Uh, safety out of USC. Hits and plays just like his Hall of Fame uncle Troy does. Um, so if you're not sure who he is, Watch tape before the draft because when and if they do do draft Troy Palomalo's nephew, you'll thank me later. Um, with the hundred thirty eighth pick, I think they take jo- uh, Jalen Armand Davis, defensive back, Alabama. Can't go wrong with taking anybody from Alabama. Um, the two hundred eighth pick in uh, inside defensive line, Eric Johnson out of Missouri State. Because the Steelers are always going to address, they are always going to address the defensive line and offensive line in the draft. They always have, and they always will. Um, with the 225th pick, they take Andrew Steuben, offensive tackle out of Michigan. And then with the 241st pick, they'll take Ellis Brooks, linebacker out of Penn State. Notice there's no wide receivers in mind. Because I think all the decent ones will be gone every time the Steelers are on the board. Now, granted, I know that there's always, again, I've always said that there's diamonds in the rough. I mean, Deontay Johnson is one. You know, nobody took a chance on Claypool, and this is Claypool's year to to really show everybody up and be like, listen, I'm the real deal, and you guys want to keep sleeping on me? Okay, keep sleeping on me, but I'm going to prove you wrong. Um, But again... You know, when it comes to the NFL draft as a whole, you know, every team drafts based on its needs. And when you watch like ESPN and you listen to Mel Kuyper or that douchebag Adam Schefter, okay, and they'll tell you what the team's draft needs are. Because we always know what they are because even the teams speak of it, you know, during the combine and whatever. But you never know what need they're going to address first. So obviously a team like the Giants, who really can't afford to stay in the top 10 with two picks, have to shop one off. So we think, because that's what we're being told. But if the Giants don't shop either one of these picks off, and they say, screw it, we'll figure out a way to pay everybody. (coughs) With the Giants, this is a draft post-Gettleman where you need to get this right. You have to have a New York Jet-like 2021 draft where you literally did not miss on any pick. 
And I was talking with somebody the other day, and they said, I don't know why everybody's, everybody wants a wide receiver. We have Corey Davis, and we have Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. Corey Davis is injury prone, okay? So, and I understand Corey Davis is that, that veteran presence for the Jets as far as the wide receiver core goes. But like Mims, they're not effective and can't be utilized if they can't get on the field. So, and I understand Denzel Mims has whatever mental health issues or whatever they, that they're saying he has and, you know, and, and whatever. But you got to be on the field to help your team win. So if the Jets feel that Denzel Mims and Corey Davis can't get it done, then why not at 10 take a wide receiver? Because at four, you could address the defensive need. So when you look at the draft, you know, as far as Jets fans go... I'll I'll be surprised if my uncle goes two for two with those two picks. I'll really be surprised. Because I think they're going to go, they're obviously going to address their defense. They're obviously going to address their offense. But again, it's just a matter of where each team decides to go first. The Giants just need to get it right across the board. So whoever's the next biggest name after that, honestly, is who the Giants need to get. So if Kevon Thibodeau falls all the way to five, then you have to take him. You know, if if you think that Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard are going to be hurt all year, then go and get a Chris Olave out of Ohio State or draft Garrett Wilson five. Or if you think Drake London's going to be healthy enough by the time training camp comes around, then draft Drake London. And the only reason why Drake London and guys like him fall is because of these injuries. So, like, they have, like, this one mock draft where Drake London falls out of the top 10. And he falls to the commanders. And, and speaking of that, and when I discussed the whole Debo Samuel thing and I, I threw in A.J. Brown and, Te- and Terry McLaurin, what people seem to realize is people say, why does Terry McLaurin deserve a payday? Do you realize in the three years Terry McLaurin's been in the NFL, he's had eight fucking quarterbacks? That's Cleveland Brown-like. Okay, the Washington Commanders, the Washington Commanders should be the Cleveland Browns part two. Okay, you know how like you have Miami of Ohio because it's affiliated with Miami University. It should be the Washington Browns of Cleveland because they're a joke just like Cleveland is. And there's a lot of things, too. Where And Cleveland ties into this as far as the draft goes tonight because we've everybody's been hearing for weeks, and I really didn't discuss this at all, but everybody's talking about and everybody's writing about how Carolina is the big fit for Baker Mayfield. But you have a problem. Your number one wide receiver in Carolina and Robbie Anderson wants no parts of Baker Mayfield. He feels Sam Darnot is the guy to get the job done. I hate to burst the bubble, and even I've tried to give Sam Darnot credit. And maybe injuries plays a part of this. Maybe it's the fact that when he was with the Jets, you had like two to three different head coaches. You, you had different offensive coordinators. And that's the other problem. So when you knock, when you knock these guys, all right, so you knock these guys like, like, like Daniel Jones, is a guy who in the two to three years or so that he's been in the league, think about how many head coaches and offensive coordinators he's had. Okay? 
Just, just, just think about, just think about that. So when people say Terry McLaurin doesn't deserve a payday, you obviously don't watch Terry McLaurin play. You obviously don't see the numbers he puts up. And like my buddy Sal would say, learn the game. Okay, it's as simple as that. Just learn the game. It's not that hard. Um, you know, Debo Samuel is another guy could be traded during the draft. You know, and I've read where, you know, where the, the Niners would package him and Garoppolo together to bring back a huge hole. If you package them together, the only reason why you're getting a big hole, it's not really because of Garoppolo. Garoppolo's shoulder surgery right now is what's hurting the value. So you're not getting much on that aspect. Even though his agent and everybody's saying he'll be ready by training camp, it was a, it was a minor thing to, to, to correct something, whatever it was. Okay, all well and good. But at the end of the day, my issue is this. And it's always been my issue. The minute anybody mentions that Debo, that, that anybody's on the market, you immediately, all these Steeler fans come out and they're like, well, you know, the Steelers need to go out and get Debo Samuel. And I said it Monday. I would love to have Debo Samuel. I would love to have a talented wide receiver who could play running back like that. Here's the problem. He wants a big payday. <clears throat> now you're saying, well, Monday you said that wasn't the problem. It's the problem in Pittsburgh because in Pittsburgh, they don't have the money to give him that payday. That's the problem. And if it's a package deal, okay, yeah, then we might have the franchise quarterback in Garoppolo, but then you got to pay him too. So the, the issue in Pittsburgh, and everybody always wants to know why doesn't Pittsburgh go after the big name all the time, is because we don't always have the money to do it. All right, so and, and speaking of that, in this draft, it's, a, it's very questionable with the Steelers as well. This is one where, you know, again, do they sit at 20? Do they trade out of it? Do they trade up? Do they trade down? You know, what does Seattle do? Does Seattle try to move up and try to maybe go a pick before Atlanta to get one of these quarterbacks. Because if you're Seattle and you traded, you traded Russell Wilson out of the NFC. You took him from the NFC West to the AFC West. You got a boatload in return. So in essence, Seattle can rebuild in this draft. But the question Seattle needs to ask itself is, is Drew Locke really a lock? That's the thing. You know, everybody's sitting there saying how, you know, they, you know, that they're going to try to, you know, that they're going to try to trade um, DK Metcalf. And I don't see it. I don't see where they trade DK Metcalf. Because DK Metcalf can be one of those generational pieces. If he's surrounded by the right quarterback, right offensive coordinator... It's like everything has to go right. That's the thing people need to understand. It needs to go right for Seattle. This is a draft where Seattle has to answer a lot of questions. You know, do you believe in Drew Locke? You know, we all seen what Drew Locke was in, you know, in Denver. And he had the glimpses of being a decent quarterback. But again, <coughs> in Denver, what did you really put around the kid? I understand. Yeah, yeah, Cortland Sutland, you had, you had Tim Patrick. 
you know, you added Jerry Judy, but you never really gave Drew Locke that chance. You know, the year is supposed to be Drew Locke's year. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater, and it was like, oh, no, forget about you. It's it's kind of like what the issue Denver had with Drew Locke is what Pittsburgh has with Mason Rudolph. You wanted to believe in him, and then when you gave him the shot, he really didn't live up to the hype. But the only difference is, is that Drew Locke has shown you a little bit more, in my opinion, than Mason Rudolph has shown Pittsburgh Steeler fans. And I think the other thing is, as we go into this draft and why everybody's so enamored with Pittsburgh getting a quarterback is because they don't want, they don't, it's a matter of really, they think that if they get the big name quarterback, it immediately replaces Ben Roethlisberger. It does not educate, it does not automatically replace Ben Roethlisberger. And I've said this before, in order to fully replace Ben Roethlisberger, you're going to have to duplicate what Ben has done. So if they get Malik Willis and they decide Malik Willis week one is the starter, Malik Willis needs to go out in week one and tear it up. And Malik Willis has to have a better first year than Ben all around. From touchdowns to interceptions to completion percentage to quarterback rating, wins, losses. Okay, I don't expect if they do get Malik Willis and he and let's just say he is the week one starter. I'm not saying Malik Willis needs to go out there and be, you know, 16 and 1, 17 and 1, the way like Ben came in taking over for, for Bobby Brister. Or Tommy Maddox, I should say, and tearing it up and not losing a game, but you expect something similar to it, because because again, and it's the same thing with the Giants. You know, you're looking for the Giants and the Steelers. You're looking for two future Hall of Famers replacements, and it's very hard. When both have set certain standards and bars to, to, to play up to. Now, again, the only lackluster thing with Eli is his win-loss record. When you're a 500 break-even quarterback, it is an issue. It is. I, I agree with it. But for those who sit there and say, you know, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, you're wrong. Because Eli Manning deserves to be in the Hall of Fame right next to Roethlisberger. And he belongs in the Hall of Fame right next to Philip Rivers. So, you know, I hate to really burst the bubble, but is Daniel Jones the true answer to Eli as far as replacing him? I got to say no at this point. Does he have the flashes to, to get there? Yeah, he does. But at the end of the day, you know, if I'm the Giants, listen, I get, you know, if you're not sold on Daniel Jones and you don't pick up the fifth-year option, dare I say the Giants draft Malik Willis? Nobody's thought of that. Everybody's sitting here in the mock drafts, and they're talking Giants are going to go defense, Giants are going to go wide receiver, Giants are going to go and, and draft Kyle Hamilton, Giants are going to this, Giants are going to that. But nobody stopped to think about this. What if the Giants shocked the world? What if the Giants went 
and got Malik Willis. Nobody thought of that. Nobody. Because it could damn well happen. And everybody knows it. Because again, if you're again, if you're a Giants fan and you're not sold on Malik Willis, not if you're not sold on Daniel Jones, then at five, why not draft Malik Willis? Why not do something out of the norm? Why not rock the boat? This is Joe Schoen's first draft as the Giants GM. This is Dabble's first draft as a head coach in the NFL. You want to make a statement? You want to make an impact? You want to blow the roof off of fucking everything in the Giants organization and the fan base? That's it. Willis or Pickett? Giants fans ain't going to sit there like they did when you drafted Daniel Jones and be like, huh? They're going to jump up and go fucking nuts. I know if I was a Giants fan and I'm going into this draft and I go, okay, they're obviously going to address defense, and then with the seventh pick, you know they'll, they'll you know they'll pick either another they'll they'll pick an offensive tackle, or they'll, maybe they'll get creative and go wide receiver. But if they went quarterback at five, it's not too far out of the realm. At least in my opinion, that you have to sit there going into this draft in the back of your mind. Now, if you're a Giants fan listening, you have to sit there and go, hmm. I wonder, what if they do take Malik Willis here? What if? What if? It's it, again. It's not out of the realm. Just like it's not. <clears throat> it's not out of the realm. If you know, dare I say, the Jets wanted to do it. What if the Jets aren't truly sold on Zach Wilson either? And they say, you know what? And what if? What if? What if Robert Sala and Joe Douglas? You know, and Chris Johnson is sitting there draft night in the war room and they go and they look at everything from every aspect and go, I don't think this kid's it. And they decide we're going to go get Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett. Again, nothing in this draft is out of the realm. Anybody at any point in this draft within these top five picks can shake this shit up. Everybody knows it. It's just a matter of who's going to do it. You know, the Steelers don't really trade up, but when they do, it's for something that they they are absolutely enamored with. Now, could the Steelers trade? And now, again, if it's true and the Giants are looking to get out of the fifth pick, and if it's true that the Steelers are really interested in doing it, and they get Malik Willis, hey, I'm for it. But again... If Tomlin and Colbert aren't truly in love with Malik Willis, then don't do it. Don't do it because the fan base is clamoring for it. Just because you see everybody on Twitter, if the Steelers don't draft Malik Willis, you know, I'm going to be pissed off. I think I think regardless what the Steelers do in this draft, or any team for that matter, somebody's fan base is going to be upset with it. You're going to have the knowledgeable people in the fan base. So, like, if the Jets went, so, like, if the Jets went and got Kevon Thibodeau, or if Evan Neal fell to them, or if Trevon Walker fell, or if even Aiden Hutchinson fell to the Jets at four, any one of those picks, you're going to have your knowledgeable Jet fans that are going to love the pick, and you're going to have the ones that are going to bash it for the next 20 years. 
It, it's just what happens. We're, there, there's, there's Steeler fans out there that are still bashing, drafting Jarvis Jones and Ziggy Hood. God knows. You want to talk about busts in the draft? Those two right there for starters. <laughs> as far as Steeler history goes, the Giants, Daniel Jones right now looks like he could possibly be heading that way. Zach Wilson, we don't know yet. You know, in Jacksonville, could Trevor Lawrence turn out to be a bust? All signs point to it's a possibility because, again, Jacksonville's got to have a draft that hits a grand slam on every pick. Because if you truly think that you're winning anything with a Zay Jones at wide receiver, and this ain't, this ain't knocking the wide receiver core at all, but you overpaid Jacksonville for all these guys. You could have drafted wide receivers and paid them less. I'm just saying, that's what you could have did. But, you know, what do I know? What, you know, again, what do I really know? But, um, you know, again, a lot of teams got a lot of questions in this draft. A lot of teams do. And, and it was funny, I seen somebody post where it's funny how picks 15 through 32 are the most interesting picks this year, as opposed to 1 through 14. They're interesting from the standpoint of, because you have Pittsburgh right there at 20, to what, what's Pittsburgh going to do? And it's true, what does Pittsburgh do? Because we don't know what Pittsburgh's going to do. <coughs> you know, we don't know. And, you know, if it, if it was, if I was the GM or if I was Mike Tomlin, honestly, I have to sit here and stay and stand pat at 20. I, I, I know the Steeler fans are probably kill me for saying it and bash me for saying it. But again, as much as everybody loves Malik Willis, you love what you see from the combine tapes. You love what you see from YouTube clips. And the same thing with Kenny Pickett. Everybody enamored with the fake slide. Everybody enamored with this. You know, and then they're talking about his hand size. You know, again, if the organization is not sold, then stand pat at 20. Or if there's somebody you see you can get, Maybe a wide receiver. Maybe somebody from Alabama that Philly's eyeing. Maybe you swap five picks up and nab that guy. You know, because you're asking, because what you're saying is, what you're asking the Steelers to do is trade from 20. You want them to move up 15 spots to the Giants. And let's say they do it. You're going to have the fan base goes, you just gave up so much draft capital for the next three, four years. For what? For the quarterback that you want. If, for those who think that Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are falling to 20. It's not going to happen. Again, it's not going to happen. And why? Carolina needs a quarterback. Atlanta's going to need a quarterback. Seattle's going to probably want a quarterback. Again. I don't think Seattle sold on Drew Locke. Carolina's not sold on Sam Darnold. Atlanta 
If again, yeah, Atlanta went and got Marcus Mariota. But again, look at these, these contracts that these that these backups, once former starters, have signed with their respective teams. And put this in perspective. Look at the years. Look at the money. It's not that much. Why do you think that is? Because it's a temporary stopgap. Okay? The Steelers giving Trubisky a, te- a two-year, was like $10, $11 million deal, is a stopgap to the future quarterback, whether it's in this draft or the next draft. So what Pittsburgh and Atlanta are telling you is that they're giving these guys a two-year window to whichever quarterback they bring in, okay? You have two years to get ready. We're not playing this shit no more. Pittsburgh's telling you we're not, we're not playing this, you know, we're going to write you your own playbook and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. What Pittsburgh is saying, and rightfully so, is our next quarterback needs to be ready in two years. But if you're going to trade up to get Malik Willis and you're going to tell Malik Willis he's sitting on the bench for two years, you were better off staying at 20 and taking either Desmond Ryder or Matt Coral or waiting to the second round where you could get a Sam Howell or whoever else. You know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. Um, you know, but it's going to be, I, I think this year is one of the most interesting drafts we have. And it's not that no other draft has ever been interesting. I think it's just this year in particular has a lot of implications for a lot of teams. Because you have a lot of teams that moved on from Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Some due to retirement, like Big Ben in Pittsburgh. Some due to trades, like Matt Ryan going to Indy. Okay? A lot of these teams have a lot of questions and a lot of voids to fill. You know, this draft for Jets fans is a big one. Again, you know, is this the year the Jets get back on that winning track? or Or is this just another draft where... They get the picks right, but it produces to nothing on the field. This is a big draft for the Giants because this is one where they could prove that Gettleman was just a complete moron and had no idea what he was doing, and the inmates just ran the asylum on that part of MetLife Field. Okay? The Giants cannot miss. on The Giants, in essence, have to have a better draft than the Jets did last year. And the only way, again, for the Giants to do it is they have to stay at all their picks. So they have to figure out their cap issue, who else they could restructure, you know. But again, the Giants cannot miss on any pick here. Now, if the Giants, again, if the Giants want to trade out of that fifth pick and bring in future draft capital, that's fine. But who's the team that's going to play with them? All signs point to, to my Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll do business with the Giants. And we'll have to we'll have to either we'll either have to and we're gonna have to live or die with what happens after it. Because if they do it, and Malik Willis is not the end all be all, don't sit there and say, I knew we shouldn't have done this when you were the one for it. 
Okay? I'll say right now, I'm for it. <coughs> I'm for it. If they believe, if they 100% believe that Malik Willis is Ben Roethlisberger's true replacement, and then Malik Willis does not live up to the hype, I can't sit there and say, I knew we shouldn't have done this because I would because I'm on board for it. Okay? I'm on board for it. Now, if Malik Willis went to say Carolina and tears it up there and the Steelers stand pat at 20, you could sit there and say, ah, oh, what could have been? But you'll never know. But you will never know. Um I'll do one tomorrow because I'll do a post reaction to round one, obviously. Um, you know, there was some, I was going to talk a little bit of baseball, but I really kind of just for now want to leave this to, uh, well, you know, I got a few minutes, so why not? So, uh, and it's more about what's been going on as far as these, you know, with the Mets, with the hit by pitches. And I'm not a Mets fan, but this is becoming a problem in the league when, you know, you got Pete Alonzo taking fastballs off the helmet at the head. And, you know, now you got benches clearing brawls and we're 11 games in, 12 games in, 18 games in, whatever it is now. The 18 games in. Some 17 because the Yankees are one behind because they have a makeup with Boston. And 18 games in. And the Mets have been hit like 20-something times already. You know, I was talking about it with a buddy at work, my, my, my buddy Al. And I said, listen, you know, guys are going to get hit by pitches all the time. You know, it's one thing you take it off the elbow, take it off the leg, take it off the shoulder, take it off the chest, take it off the, you know, take it off your ass, whatever. You start throwing it the head. And then yesterday's incident. So I forget who the pitcher was for the Mets. It was up and in, but it wasn't as up. It was up, but it wasn't as in as many thought. I think Arnando kind of like played a little soap opera actress there for a second. And then they started jaw jacking. And the night before, Scherzer, as much as I can't stand Scherzer being in a Met jersey, because I think Max Scherzer should have been a Yankee. But again, Cashman is a bitch and doesn't spend money. Um, Scherzer was in the dugout. And he's looking at the Cardinals bench. He's like, all you're doing is shut the fuck up. This Met team this year is one that, honestly, when you watch the highlights, you get this different vibe. Like, it's a team that's actually together. It's a team that actually, I think, believes. And I know for Mets fans, you know, like, every time I see somebody post something about the Mets, my buddy Sal's like, yeah, wait till All-Star break, you know, and then the big letdown happens. What if this isn't the letdown year? What if? What if somehow in this crazy new world we live in, the Mets, in essence, have become the New York Yankees of yesteryear? Because the ingredients are there. Buck Walter is the main ingredient. And have the Yankees become... The Mets, where they squander on every opportunity, and granted, the Yankees have been on a the Yankees have been on a tear lately, and you know Gallo's coming out of his funk, and you know, and Rizzo is just everything that we we've hoped for, and Severino has been good, 
He's been he's been good. He's been very good. You know, Cole came back to his dominant self on Sunday, I believe. But the bullpen is the key. And Michael King right now has a 0.69 ERA. Has been phenomenal. And you know, and I said I would flirt with putting him in the pen and, and taking him out of the pen and making him a starter. <coughs> As much as you love to see it, I think now he's better off in the bullpen. That's just where I think he's better off at. But um, I'm going to get ready to go because I got some stuff to take care of. So tomorrow will be a post-reaction to round one of the NFL. Whatever trades happened, you know, did your, did your team take who you thought they would take? Um, maybe I'll grade some of the picks even. So... Everybody enjoy your Thursday night draft, as I will. Um, and we'll see what happens, because the excitement's coming. So, till tomorrow, be safe. And as always, peace.